Friends, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I want to make sure you know um, I I miss you all, and um, we're I'm hanging out in 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 my uh, in my living room, and I've uh, got some fancy lights and a couple different cameras, and. Uh, I'm a videographer. Uh, I used to be more so, um, and I I've had the chance before I was a pastor even to do it um, as a side job, and I've been able to do some projects since then. So I'm in my element. I, I can I can shoot footage and, and edit it, and that's it's fine. It's not a problem. Um, I even enjoy shooting um, footage and editing it and doing some graphics, and um, I, I enjoy it. But it doesn't make up for being together. It's just, you know, I feel I feel terrible for those pastors who are completely out of their elements, trying to figure out how to do this. Um, don't have a team around them, and, and we we gratefully have have a great team on on top of it all. Um, but even even with something that I enjoy like this, um, I find I don't you know it's fine. Even with that, it doesn't make up. For us being together, it just doesn't, and I don't know what to say about that other than I miss you guys. Uh, I miss community. I miss being able to shake your hand, uh, pat you on the back, um, inside jokes. Do you remember those inside jokes? Weren't they great? I uh, I don't. I haven't had one in a while. I mean, you know, other than between me, Alyssa, and Finn, which we've got a fair amount of, in, don't get me wrong, inside jokes, but, you know, I used to have a lot more. And uh, But you have to be inside with other people in order to have significant amount of inside jokes. So I miss you all, um, and that's all I want to say about it. I just, I, I want you to know that, and I know you miss other people as well. And so I, I'm grateful that you've been able to join us um, in this format. And we are going to open God's Word and spend some time. And, and we're in a series right now where we're talking about loners. Uh, we started it last week. This will be the last week. It's just a two-week series. We're looking at two uh, biblical characters who kind of found themselves alone or isolated. And uh, and then next week, we're actually going to be kicking off a new series. And that series, uh, Alyssa is going to be leading, and it's called Hidden Figures. And uh, you saw a trailer for that uh, a little bit earlier. But for now, we're going to look at another character. Last week, we looked at Elijah and, and this time where he kind of found himself really struggling and alone. And uh, this week, we're going to look at Paul. The Apostle Paul um, ended up, he, he kind of ended his career in prison. Uh, Christianity was in many ways a cult, uh, at least from the perspective of the Roman Empire, and, and, and considered dangerous for a variety of reasons. And um, the Jewish people, of course, weren't uh, big fans as it was kind of, it was a cult that had been born out of uh, Judaism. I hope that doesn't offend you to, that I use that language, but, but it was. I mean, that's, that's how it was, uh, that's how it came into to happen. And so uh, Paul gets himself into some trouble. And uh, he ends up getting arrested in uh, Jerusalem, and he gets shipped off to Rome. He's a Roman citizen. He appeals to Rome, so he gets shipped off to Rome. And uh, once there, he's under house arrest. And he's, so he's stuck in a home like many of us, completely different circumstances. Uh, he's not there uh, by himself like some of us. He's not there with our, our families like some of us. He's there with prison guards. And during that time, he uh, continues to be a leader in the church. 
he continues to engage the churches that he helped plant. And so we're going to spend a second and we're going to look at um, one of the letters that he wrote in prison. We're going to look at specifically uh, Philippians uh, chapter 1. So if you have a Bible, you can turn there and uh, we would love to uh, have you follow along and, and the words will be on the screen as well. Now, he wrote a couple of letters from uh, prison and what I find interesting about it is he doesn't go into detail about his experience. Um, he doesn't really go on and on in his letters talking about um, his experience in prison. And I find that convicting. And here's why. If I was to write a letter right now, if I was to journal and send it to someone, it would 100% be about my experience in lockdown. Paul, not so much. He's... He's confined to a house, and yet he writes these beautiful letters, Philippians to the letter, Ephesus, uh, to the people in Ephesus, uh, Philemon, about other things, about the faith. It's, it's, it's very much as if, even though he was chained, God's ministry wasn't. Even though he was in lockdown, God's ministry continued on, and he operated out of that assumption. Now, he didn't spend a lot of time talking about it, but he did talk about his experience one time. And so we're going to take a second, and we're going to look at uh, this passage where he kind of goes, this is the most we get um, uh, about his experience of being in lockdown under house arrest. And so it's in Philippians chapter 1, and it's going to start with uh, verse 12. And here's, here's what it says. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Isn't that great? Uh, he is under house arrest, and instead of complaining about it, he says, you know what, my mission to advance the good news of Jesus Christ, it has gone on, it hasn't slowed down. In fact, my dire situation has helped advance it. I find this, once again, deeply convicting. I ask you, how many things in your life, specifically your faith life, how many things in your faith life, your spiritual life, your relationship with God, the church, how many of those have been put on hold because of the quarantine? When you, you think about your life before all this happened and your current life, how many things you said, well, can't do that anymore? How many, how many good habits have been put on pause because we've been, our entire paradigm has shifted? See, Paul's entire paradigm had shifted. But he said, you know what? I'm not putting this on pause. The, the, the mission and ministry of Jesus is too important 
to put on pause. So he goes on and he explains how, how his mission, his ministry as an evangelist, who shares the good news, it isn't stopped. He says, as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. I, I absolutely love this. He says, you know, now all of the guards, they're, they're, they know why I'm in chains. They know why that I, I've been arrested and I am sharing my faith with them. The kingdom of God is advancing in my very home. Think about this. For those who aren't isolating themselves alone, for, and if you are, I, I want to say I'm sorry. I know that has to be hard. But for those who are, uh, are living with somebody else, you have a roommate, you have a, you have a family member, you have children, what are you doing to help advance the kingdom of God to them. Paul would have rather been planting churches, traveling through the Roman Empire, doing the work that he did better than anyone else. That's what he wanted to do. But he was stuck in a house and he said, you know what? Okay, let's make this work. And he invested in the few that were in his sphere of influence even if it was just a few. So I ask you, think about it. If you're surrounding, if there's people in your life, whether it's coworkers you're talking to over a screen, whether it's your kids, your spouse, your roommates, your mom, your what are you doing in your life to help advance the kingdom of God in their lives? Sharing the good news of God's love and patience and kindness. There's a really deep principle here in the life of Paul. See, a lot of Christians, when bad things happen to them, especially because of government or injustice, there's a lot of Christians who just say, this happened to me, this bad thing happened to me because I'm a Christian. And they get all worked up about it. You know, ah, they're persecuting Christians. This bad thing happened to me because I'm a Christian. That wasn't Paul's attitude. Paul, he says, this thing happened to me and because I'm a Christian, I'm going to act accordingly. Paul never once gets frustrated or angry or mad at the guards. Not in his letters. I mean, I'm sure he did in real life. But like, he doesn't talk bad about the Roman Empire even. He, which is a whole nother conversation, by the way. But he says, no, this happened to me. It's no good. I'm not happy about it. But what can God do with it? He goes on and talks about how motives are everything. He says in verse 15, It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, while others out of goodwill. Did you know it's possible to be a Christian and to live your faith out for the wrong motives? I encourage you to challenge yourself. Think about that. It's possible to be a Christian and live your... And friends, I know that some of you, this gives you great hope. You're like, I hadn't thought about that. And now I realize there's a lot of people who almost maybe not want to be a Christian because they were doing all the right stuff, but it just felt icky. Paul says, you know what? It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, while others out of goodwill. He goes on. He says, the latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up travel, trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? 
The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this, I rejoice. He says, no matter what happens, God has this tendency to use it for good. Paul believed that. I find that that's a hard thing to believe. And I also find it's very tricky theology. I find it tricky because just because bad things happen, I don't think that means that God wanted them to happen. And just because God takes bad things and makes good out of them doesn't mean that God wanted those bad things to happen. He goes on. He says, I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to rejoice because God can take even the worst and make good out of it. He says, yes, I will continue to rejoice for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. He says, one of the reasons why I can rejoice is because I know you're praying for me. Knowing that people are praying for you. Prayer is such a powerful tool. It can change our lives. I really believe that. God responds to, listens to prayer. It changes us when we pray. It changes our heart towards other people. If you're having a hard time loving someone, pray for them every day. It turns your heart towards them. You can't stop loving them after you've been committing to pray for them and asking God to bless them. Prayer changes us. And it's one of the places where Paul said he was getting joy. He's in house arrest. And, and he's not, he goes on, he, we're going to get to it in a second. He's not confident things are going to work out. He says God will deliver him, but that doesn't mean he thinks he's going to get off um, uh, out of this trial alive. No, he, he thinks God's going to deliver him regardless of what happens. In fact, one of the things that Paul would suggest is that, that God can deliver us even if our circumstances don't change. God can still deliver us. And he knows that because the church was praying for him. I remember the first time I had a, a prayer partner. Uh, it was just me and another guy who committed to pray for each other. I was actually serving at a camp um, in Michigan for the summer. I was, a, I was a camp counselor. And that year they, they assigned prayer partners. They just hooked, matched me up with somebody. I got matched with somebody from Alaska. It was pretty great. Um, got to learn a lot about Alaska uh, and just really just a fantastic guy. And every week we'd get together and we'd talk and we'd pray with each other. And it made all the difference. It was a hard camp. We were working with some, uh, um, it, was a, it was not a camp for um, children who could afford camp. And, and there was a lot of um, behavioral uh, uh, issues that we had to deal with. And it was stressful and it was hard. But having somebody who I could meet with and share life with and pray, pray with was huge. I encourage you, if you, if you don't have someone like that, go sign up. Go and sign up um, and we'll find you someone. Um, to be that person in your life, to prayer, because that's one of the places we're going to find joy during this season. He goes on and he continues to talk. He says, he says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. 
but it is but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will bound on account of me. Paul uses, um, I don't know if you caught all of that, but Paul uses some pretty heavy language. He says that, uh, you know, he says, if I'm going to live here, I'm going to live for Jesus. And if I die, I'm going to go be with Jesus. And um, while he says he's content with either option, he hints at that it would be much better if he just went. I, we know when people talk like this, when Paul writes like this, I've had people in my life use this same kind of language and, and, and talk about it, and it's honest and it's good and it's beautiful, but it happens most often when someone's experiencing extreme suffering. The, the, the times in my life where people have used this kind of language, where they say, you know what, as long as I'm here, I trust that God's going to use me, but boy, wouldn't it be great if if this all was just over. When people use that kind of language, um, it's usually because life is really hard. And I think we get a glimpse here of Paul and and really what's going on, he's he's eternally optimistic. This is Paul. This is just who he is. But but we get a sense that, you know what, he would be really happy if it was all over. I shared last week about my friend, the one in the hospital. He's not doing well. And he's had a hard life. And to be entirely honest with you, he's one of those people who uses this kind of language. He, he wishes he could just move on. Paul, Paul says it like this. He says, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. I love this because in the Greek, in the Greek, there's uh, uh, he, he's, he's writing poetry. He, he, he says in the Greek, he says, to live is Christos, but to die is Karpos. They rhyme, and, and they, there's alliteration, and he, he's, he's using this sort of beautiful language and this rhyme scheme. He's using poetry to communicate something that we often need poetry to communicate, the deep complexities of the human experience, especially when life is hard. If that's you, I want you to know we're here for you. We know that life can be hard. And we know that you're not meant to live it alone. Paul wasn't alone. These churches were reaching out and asking him how he was doing. That's why he writes about it in this letter. He wasn't alone, and you shouldn't be alone either. I don't know if you know this, but we have a fund that's designed specifically to help you get through a hard time. But by, by providing resources to, to meet with somebody, to talk about um, uh, your, what's going on in your heart, in your mind, and to work through those things. You know, a prayer partner is going to be extremely powerful, someone just to talk to uh, for, those, for most things in life. But, but I know there's, there's sometimes that's just not enough, and we need somebody who really knows what's going on to help us, to ask those hard questions, to be a safe place where we can say whatever we want. If that's you, let us know. 
You can go to our website and learn more about the Mental Health Fund. We'll provide the resources you need to get a, a tele-therapy uh, conversation started. We have some people that we can even recommend. And um, there's a number of resources where we want to provide. But but if you're hurting and you just you wake up and you just feel like with everything going on, you can't go on, you're here. And like Paul, even when you're like, this would be better if it was just over, even when you reach that point, Paul was convinced that God wasn't done with him yet. And that's the difference between being comfortable with what comes next, the reality that life will end for all of us eventually, and knowing that it hasn't yet. It hasn't. Life hasn't ended and God isn't done with you. And there's so much good to come. There's so much good that God wants to do through you. So don't give up. In fact, this is what Paul says. He goes on after using this sort of really heartfelt language. He says, whatever happens, verse 27, whatever happens. Friends, that includes what's happening right now in your life, in the world, whatever happens. I hope you'll hear this. He says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. I love this. He says, you know what? Live in such a way that people hear about it. He says, live in such a way that even though I'm in lockdown, in a prison, in a house arrest in Rome, that, and you're miles and miles away in Philippi, that whether I make it back to Philippi or not is irrelevant because I will hear about your faith because it's that big and extravagant and beautiful. The ways in which you give sacrificially, the ways in which you serve sacrificially, the ways in which you invest in the people in your lives, the way in which you pray for other people. That I, It's so big and so important to you and you're living it so sincerely out of the right motives that I will hear about it even if I can't come and see you again. That's my prayer for us. That's my prayer for you. I I want us to hear about the ways in which God is working in our lives. Even if I don't get to see you this week or next week or the week after that. Maybe the week after that, I don't know. Or the week after that. Eventually, I'll hopefully see you again. But until I do... Let us live lives of such bold faith that we hear about it. And don't. Don't put off your faith. God wasn't surprised that this happened. And the things that God has placed on your heart and the call that God has placed in your life hasn't stopped. So all of those things that you've been setting aside, God is inviting you into a new way of living right now, a way in which you live out your faith in your current context, even if it's just advancing the kingdom of God in the lives of those you're around by the ways we love one another, care for one another, pray for one another, the ways in which we give, pass out diapers, Little Bottoms Free Store, or call a friend and say, hey, how you doing? Or 
or invite someone to hold you accountable and pray for someone or listen to someone who's just having a really hard time, there are ways in which God can use you in powerful ways. And now, not next week, not when this is over, now is the time to do it. And I'm so grateful that God isn't done with us yet. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for speaking to us, for challenging us, for giving us examples like Paul, for taking the the mess of life and, and the hardness of life and the suffering of life and turning it around and making something beautiful. We give you thanks. Do that in our lives now. Help us to redeem the time. Show us, Lord, how we might use the time we have right now for your purposes. We might invest right now, wherever we are, in your name. Encourage us. Remind us when we hit our lowest place that you're not done with us yet. In your name we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen.